Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tinker Talks. Tinker Talks is the audio format podcast that discusses happenings behind the fence line of Tinker Air Force Base. Uh, did you know that unhealthy relationships or relationship issues are the leading cause of suicide in the Air Force? Well, today we are welcoming a guest who has taken a proactive approach to improving lives such as his own who have been impacted by domestic violence. He discusses his sphere of influence and how important behavioral changes are to improve environments. Command Master Chief, Command Command Master Chief, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm a Navy guy, so. Okay. <laughs> that would have almost been right with it's you then. The old force of habit. Command Chief Master Sergeant Kenny Mott is the command chief for the 552nd Air Control Wing. That's Tinker Air Force Base, Base's largest operational tenant unit. And the enlisted force as an air, uh, you joined the enlisted force as an airborne technician in 1993. Um, you spent most of your career here, actually, 14 of your 27 years here at Tinker, and became the command chief in October of 2018. So, sir, thank you very much for taking time out of your day this morning. Well, thanks for having me here. This is going to be awesome. Yes, sir. Can't wait. So, jumping right in, if if you could. Uh, Give us a little bit of background, kind of the 200-word or less background of, of who you are, who Chief Mott is. Well, uh, I'm from southeast Louisiana, a little town outside, outside of uh, New Orleans called Houma, Louisiana. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, spend a little bit of time. I was a tune-up technician before I came in the Air Force. Uh, the recruiter got me good because they used to bring their cars over to get tuned up and have their oil changed. And this guy was always on me right. saying like, hey, I got a better place for you if you ever wanted to, a career change. And so one day I just took him up on it. He said, hey, I can get you a job. No grease under your fingernails. You know, uh, we'll get you some uniforms. And so I took him up on it. And next thing you know, I'm a CDMT in the 552. Right. So, and I, you know, this was my first duty station in 1994. Uh, lots of changes going on since I've been in and out of Tinker. Um, this is actually my 15th year, so one extra year than you said. So, I've awesome. uh, been in for 27 years, and it's just quite the honor and privilege that I get to sit here and help lead a wing that I grew up in. So, it's right. just awesome to be here. And your position, your role, um, is critically important, and, and we'll, we'll come to that here pretty shortly. But um, So we are here today to discuss the important topic of violence prevention. Um, I understand that you have a personal testimony that you're willing to share with us. So can you give us some, some background on your story and uh, what you've experienced? So, yeah, you'll have to bear with me for a little bit here because, um, you know, this one is near and dear to my heart. It is a core of who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I talk about it, you know, there's all kind of emotions that go with it. I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm proud, and I'm hopeful. Um, so, I mean, that's my emotions that go along with it. And we all come from different places. Um, you know, I was, this was 1980-something, you know, like, 83 84 I can't remember the only thing I really remember that it was the night after the 4th of July mm -hmm. and the you know the household environment was always uh amped up where you just had this knot in your stomach no matter which part of the family you were would come in and something would happen right mm -hmm. there'd be some verbal abuse uh my mother had married 
uh, again. I think I was, you know, 10, 11, maybe even 12. And, uh, you know, the, she had married a monstrous man. You know, there's no other way to put it. When you talk about domestic violence, uh, everything that goes with it, physical, sexual, emotional, financial violence was in that, in the home that I grew up in. Um, and so it, uh, just thinking back and looking at myself as a young teen, going through what we went through, it, it made me angry back then. It makes me angry now. Uh, but there was some, you know, I, I got very proud moments in there of my mom. Um, So you think about a a 20-something-year-old woman with four kids Mm. rustling through documents, preparing to make an escape in the middle of the night. You know, that's that's, uh, it's just impactful. So we would leave in the middle of the night and go to this place called the Oasis. It's uh, We'd take a bus ride across the state to the other side of the state to um, Lake Charles, Louisiana. And they have parish. It's called Calcasieu Parish. So the Oasis is the Calcasieu Parish Women's Shelter. And um, That's where I would spend my summer. You know, we lived in a shelter while my mom was figuring out her way out of this, you know, trying to break this cycle of violence that she had been a part of. And to hopefully not have that happen to any of her kids in the future type stuff. Oh, man, that's hard to get through, right? Um, So lots of pride in that. Uh, but I didn't have that as a kid, right? You know, I was angry, sad that I was without my stuff, without my friends. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I was an adult where I realized, like, man, that took a lot of courage. For someone who had dep- been depending on other people to care for their financial needs, to just get up in the middle of the night and go with kids in trail, you know, um, and then as a kid, I, you know, I would, the people that were in the shelter for me was, it was really my first interaction with people who cared about people, mm-hmm. right? I'd been in my home. My mom loved me. Uh, I thought what we were having as a child was normal, right? It was just normal because that was what my whole life was about but it wasn't until we were put in this situation with these other people at the women's shelter that you really realize like holy cow this feels good Mm -hmm. to be cared for 
to be asked how you doing um, so but again like I said as a kid no clue all of that was going on around me and it wasn't really until I um, I became an NCO in the Air Force you know now I'm responsible for people I'm responsible for making sure that they can show up to work in a positive environment and I really didn't give much care or concern about their personal environment until it impacted me again as an NCO of one of my airmen who went through this right. uh, and so I figured out very uh, instantly that I was intolerable to it <laughs> right um, and so then that just has become you know everywhere I go the first thing I seek out are the women's shelters I just want to see where they are first to say thanks right so I got a list of them I want to talk about right here. Sure. Uh, the YWCA in Oklahoma City. I hadn't been there yet, but we have a, a trip scheduled there. I was at Keesler Air Force Base uh, in 2000 time frame, the Gulf Coast Center for um, Nonviolence. Uh, I was in San Antonio, Texas, the Battered Women's Shelter and Children's Shelter, and also uh, Child Safe, which is out there. Edwards Air Force Base was uh, Valley Oasis, uh, Langley Air Force Base, Transitions Family Violence Service, uh, Dias Air Force Base with the NOAA project. Uh, and of course, you know, the one that started it off for me was Lake Charles, Louisiana and the Oasis uh, Women's Shelter. Um, while I'm um, extremely thankful for these kinds of organizations, mm -hmm. Um, it kind of saddens me that we have to have those kinds of organizations. All right. Right. Did, did you ever witness any physical Absolutely. abuse and it violence? Absolutely. All around me all the time. Right. And, and your mom just. When you guys left and went to the Oasis that first time, was this something that happened multiple times? Would, would she get drawn back to. You see, to that's the, the thing that makes me really proud. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. I didn't realize how much courage my mom had because she only did it once. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, resilience to say, okay, once is enough, right? And it, it wouldn't be, again, it wouldn't be until I became an adult and an NCO and responsible for other people that I realized how extremely difficult that was. Right. Because I visited these places that I've listed just to see what it's about, how can they help our airmen. Um, and they tell me the story that it takes multiple times for people to come to their senses mm -hmm. and, and take the help. And they have repeat people who show up over and over because they find themselves back to where they were. And um, to learn that that was the norm, uh, and my mom only did it once, Good for her. How is your mom today? She's good. They're in Louisiana. They just, they still live in the same area. So they're just uh, coming through the hurricane again, more rain than wind. She's always found the high spots. So they never have, have had to evacuate anywhere. So right. pretty lucky for that. Did uh, you, you see these stories happen and, and it's amazing that your mom was able to, to get out of this 
with kind of a, a one time she had had enough because so many unfortunate women do not get out of that situation um, and I don't know how long it went and, and it, it really it doesn't I don't know that you can compare a one time incident to a hundred times I mean it's just it's wrong one or a hundred times Absolutely. and it's difficult for everybody in, in every situation but for you personally um, you know you were able to, to come along and the un kind of the second and third order side effects that you tend to see in situations like this is that the children come out of it not so good. They don't come out of it as leaders and they tend to fall into what they yeah. grew up knowing. So along your way in life, generally what, what I have found just in, in layman's research and talking to people and, and because I have an interest in these, these topics myself, um, were there one or many mentors in your life that kind of helped lead you to, to understand that that type of situation is not okay and that you're not going to grow up being the same person that you happen to witness? Um, were there some mentors along the way through, through your teens and early adulthood? I still put a lot of credit back on the counselors at the women's shelter because if not for them talking mm -hmm. to us as children and kind of making us uh, understand what was going on around us and that what we're in is not the right situation, I, you know, you're talking to an 11, 12-year-old kid, right? So mm -hmm. some stuff's going to stick and some stuff's not. Right. But the thing that really has always stuck with me was just the care that that person sat down and talked with me uh, and was trying to explain the situation. And it wasn't my mom who was in a hysteria, who was, you know, you know, maybe pointing fingers at other people. This, this uh, counselor was just completely uh, dedicated to me and getting me through this kind of stuff. So I, when I, see other family members struggling through this and they're struggling without looking for the real uh, professional help. Mm -hmm. And when I look at myself, 27 years in the Air Force, my brother uh, who is with me, full-time firefighter for 27 years, uh, my sister, uh, a minister. My, mm -hmm. I got another brother who was in the Air Force with me. So it was, there was something about service that came out of that. Right. And, and your mom probably had an awful lot to do with that, yeah. the, the strength and resilience. It's awesome. That's impressive. And uh, it's just, it's it's tough to even hear the story of, you know, you don't know what it's like as a, as a young kid being drug out in the middle of the night, going to somewhere you don't have any idea. I mean, yeah. it's good for you, sir, that uh, not everybody is able to overcome and not everybody has a mom strong enough to, to pull them out of the mud. The mud. Um, so do you believe that y your story has helped shape kind of the, the airman, the, the person that you are? I know you got into it a little bit as a, as a junior NCO. Has that really kind of shaped your leadership style and your goals in the Air Force? So this is actually the first time that I've ever talked about this story. Mm. Because um, uh, it's just hard to talk about. But um, I, I really come to work to care about people. 
Right. Uh, so in that, it has it has impact every day. Right. Right. I I almost look for people in distress and pull them closer. Um, if you look at my teams and the people who uh, interact and work with me, um, I'm just trying to care for them so that they can bring their talent. Well, you're in an awfully good position to do that. Um, you, you're in the, the most impactful position that there is to the enlisted service, um, for sure. Um, and so knowing that you've experienced um, what you've experienced and how it's impacted your life, are, what are the, some of the signs that you would encourage your airmen to look for? Um, what advice would you give to, to someone who's going through a similar situation? You, you Obviously, you see the, the, trigger, the triggers because they're generally the same, uh, even yeah. when people try to hide them. But. Yeah, so it's, it is always about power and control. Right. And that looks different. Mm -hmm. But if you are a supervisor or someone and um, you have those feedback sessions and you will you will you will feel it when you're talking about it. You know, some of these emotions to people that you're leading are raw. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just kind of like push back from that. When, we're, when we get in that uncomfortable situation, we're just like, okay, this is a little bit too intense for both of us, mm -hmm. so we're just going to back out of it, right? And I've, I've been in that same scenario where I'm giving counsel, and I didn't understand that that, um, that feeling in your gut as a leader is your, um, it's kind of your integrity check, mm -hmm. right? That some action has to be taken. Uh, and you... You have to act on it. And you, you just, it's part of the feedback process, right? You won't know what's going on in somebody's life unless you're asking them about their life. Right. Um, and that's kind of difficult to do. And that, that brings up a, a critical component of leadership as well, because good leaders need to be engaged with their people. Um, and if, if, if you're not, if you're not asking the question because you're you're not as focused on your people as you need to be, then some of these things can can get missed. Um, Absolutely. And you don't want to miss these things because they they can they can turn very very bad very quickly. Um, and unfortunately, you know we we take the story back to your mom. Unfortunately, there's just a lot of a lot of people who don't have the strength to to move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a I just can't even imagine what your mom's thinking with four little kids. You know, what are you going to do? You, If there's some sort of dependency on at least an income, if nothing else, some sort of strange stability out of that. So it's, um, you know, not everybody. People need that help. Good. good yeah, for I would also, you know, if there's somebody out there in that situation that my mom was in, I would just tell you, go. Don't worry about all the stuff that you've had or that you think that you need, there are so many people out there ready to provide right. uh, some safe haven for you to get through this kind of stuff. So I would just say go. And, and don't be proud. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not a sign of weakness. Yeah. For sure. 
So can you compare the Air Force culture shifts that you've experienced throughout your career? Um, do you think that there are more resources or outlets available to our airmen to help alleviate and prevent situations from escalating more now than 27 years ago when you came in? Yeah, I'm sure there's, there's probably more. I, I think the real shift is uh, with leaders really wanting to ask tough questions and be in tough conversations, no matter what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've gone through a lot this year in all types of uh, difficult conversations. This is just another one. That, that falls in that difficult conversation piece. So I think with social media and each other uh, kind of talking in those other forums that it brings to light that we just have to talk more about it, ask more questions mm-hmm. and be more involved in, in, in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So I, I can see the culture shift there where people want to be more involved. Uh, especially people like myself, you know, I grew up angry about this kind of stuff. And when I see it with somebody else, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to take some actions. And I've been part of uh, many successful people who have said, okay, I've had enough too. How do I get out of here? Right. And I think, I mean, that's a, that's a great point that you bring up about diversity and inclusion diversity and inclusion difficult conversation like you say is going to lead into broader broader areas and areas that you know where maybe they're just there haven't been enough enough people out there willing to just come straight out and ask a very Mm -hmm. tough question and and that would go right down to violence and violence prevention um so lastly how do we ensure that our airmen have more counselors or mentors, people like yourself, that they can talk to um, and who can talk to our airmen about meaningful and, and healthy relationships? Even I know we've got some things working now where we have diversity and inclusion people, we have chaplains, but what other types of resources do airmen have to, to go open up? Say they don't want to come to you. Yeah, so you always have military one sources out there. Um, there's a couple of other things out there too. You got our MFLAX, you know, the 552 here. We're, we're pretty, the 72nd has really helped us out here, and we have two additional MFLAX located in our campus area. Mm-hmm. So they're always available for conversation, no matter what that conversation is. And there's also, um, and I had a, a text, because some people, you know, we're in a different society. Uh, a culture where people don't really like talking about things sometimes maybe their initiation their trigger is to to do a text and there is a text out there it's called uh so if you text love is l-o-v-e-i-s to 22522 that's instant help okay so sometimes people don't know where to go to get the help so if you type love is to 22522 um, that's a text option to get to the help that you may need to get out of the situation that you're in. Wow. And there's also, you know, it, you can look for ways. There's, there's a lot of crafty people out there mm-hmm. that are uh, coming up with code words and sign language for those people who are being, you know, going through domestic violence to communicate to someone else when they can't openly talk uh, safely on how to communicate that they're in, in harm, right. in harm's way. Well, and this year certainly has, has brought 
you know, this has been such a, a difficult year for millions and millions of people for for a lot of different reasons, not even just the pandemic, but you know, us, us as a society have have really uh, had to come to grips with a lot of difficult things out there. Um, and a lot of these things can certainly lead to more violence. I mean, you, you, you hear the experts talking about it. These things all lead to, to more substance abuse and which, you know, possibly triggers more violence. So um, it's, it's critical. I'm, I'm really grateful that you decided to share the, the story with us today. Um, do, do you ever see airmen who, who think your life is just perfect, you know, you're a command chief. You've had this great Air Force career. Um, do you think that? What do you think they would they will think, or if they hear the story of of where you came from? Yeah, I don't know. Airmen that know me would think that because I do share openly. I'm pretty open with a lot of uh, conversations and my thoughts on things and my upbringing as being a dumb airman, growing up right here in the 552 doing dumb airman things mm -hmm. and being mentored and led through it, not just being cast aside. So there's a, a little bit of difference right there. Uh, but when I was an airman, you know, I saw chiefs the same, I saw master sergeants the same way, like, oh man, you know, <laughs> that's a master sergeant or, oh man, that's the chief. They, right. They've had a, a pretty polished career kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I. I would assume that airmen consider the same thing that, Hey, you got to be here because you got to be the shiny penny, uh, your entire career. And I, you know, you, I, I really think if you ask any chief who's made it to this position that you don't get here without the bumps and the bruises, because that helps you identify where other airmen will have to grow in the future. And so that's why you get promoted to those positions. Right. Awesome. I'm going to go off the cuff, if I may. Please do. Uh -oh. Jillian. Uh -oh. <laughs> Jillian's in. I'm in. Um, I'm back. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, I know you have a, a family um, and how that has impacted you as a, as a husband and a father and what that has done to kind of your role in that regard. Um, because, you know, we, and this is kind of a different topic, but we do talk about um, violence prevention being not just domestic violence, but um, teen dating violence or cyber yeah. or sexual violence, anything like that. Um, so if you could just speak to that at all. So right up front, anyone who plans to date or marry <laughs> my son or my daughter, I am completely intolerable to <laughs> violence. Uh, in the home right up front okay uh, I, I think you know, you know I've been married for uh, 20 years now I've been with uh, my wife Michelle for 22 years we met right here in Oklahoma we had our first kid right here in Oklahoma he was born right here in Midwest City I, I bought my first house here you know there's a lot of firsts that have gone on here in Oklahoma so first you know that's why this is home to me um, and of course, you know, you, um, when you're building a life, I went out and looked for someone that was as courageous as my mom, as brave. You know, my wife is a fireball in her own right. Uh, she's, uh, she left her home at 18 years old, joined the 
the army. So she's uh, there's some army in there. Mm-hmm. Um, came out, finished school, kind of a mentor to me on education because she had already surpassed everything that I had done when by the time we got married. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like <laughs> no I better catch up. <laughs> I better, and we didn't have kids yet. So before we had kids, I was like, okay, I gotta go get me some rank. I gotta go get me some education. Um, so she has really been that other grounding uh, rod for me as far as, okay, this is how we're gonna build our family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're building a relationship, I'm just, I do not, I did not want to show up at home with a knot in my stomach going home like, oh, crap, what's going to be the next thing that explodes at our house uh, conversation? And I I had hoped, I, ha- I hope if she's listening to this, that she's never come home with a knot in her stomach going like, I don't want to go home. I don't know what kind of arguments are going to break out. I don't know where this is going to go. Uh, don't get me wrong we have our disputes and they're hot and heated (laughs) and and I know when she you know when I've overstepped my boundaries because she'll let me know right away Um, and I I, you know I think some of that's healthy right you everybody's got to have their own situation and we we have to bring emotion to that especially with the ones that we love but at the same point you got to know where okay this is we're trying to get somewhere Mm. we're trying to get somewhere together as a loving family uh, that's going to make a better society, uh, a better place for our kids. And that's kind of been our, and it really, I I still have to go back to the women's shelter uh, who showed me what that felt like. And so that's, that's kind of what I try to bring to my family. Did you have a fear of male dominance in any regard? Like, I don't, I don't, know what the environment in a women's shelter really consists of but I don't know how um how present males are if you always kind of grew up with that male figure being kind of that monstrous person that you describe um if you were ever fearful of encountering that again or if you just kind of put that in the past and really you know looked at your mom as your role model and your mentor and Yeah, I, I've never felt male dominance of any kind. Like um, uh, my mom and also my grandmother, because I lived with my grandmother for a while. And every time I'm, I'm going to share this story here because Michelle shares it everywhere else. So it's just free game. You know, <laughs> when I grew up, we were rowdy kids, rowdy teens, and my my grandma had us in the room doing uh, our spiritual healing right and growth and she would teach us how to sew she would teach us how to crochet all those things that grandmas do chief mott knows how to do (laughs) and so a a lot of that stuff has made it into our life and it's really if if you follow me on facebook at all or look at any of my stuff i i'm crafting all all the time woodworking metalworking i don't share my crochet because you know I don't do it as often, <laughs> right? but you can do it. Let but it be known. I can do it. Uh, and I've taught my wife and my daughter how to do it so they can do it too. So, um, yeah. So I've had some strong women in my life, you know, uh, who have taken care of me, who have shown me what it's like, what it needs to be like to, to hear a woman's perspective. And I grew up a lot of that in my youth 
and it was, you know, I got into the Air Force, and um, that's my first real experience of other men coming into the, the growth model of mentoring. And and uh, while I was young, I had a lot of young, I had a lot of men mentors, but later on in life, I would gravitate to my mentor Jennifer Wade, who became a chief. Uh, she was a master sergeant when I was a tech sergeant, and she just brought me along the way, mentoring me the same kind of way. Another strong uh, woman uh, making her own way. Well, Grand- grandmother was a role model, and you know, oh, absolutely. You didn't, you, so you didn't have a choice. You don't even right? think of. Yeah, yeah. Jillian, thanks for jumping in. It's good, thanks for letting good me. Questions. Um, yeah. So it's it's a. You know, it's obviously a, a still a big concern, um, violence prevention. I just, when, when we have people in this situation, I like them to really consider why are we here mm-hmm. as a military, right? We're trying to bring freedoms to other people mm-hmm. and share our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If we're going to do that for another allies, uh, other countries, and we can't do it for ourselves. You know, if you live in that environment where you don't have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and you're here trying to give it to others, then you, you probably need to look in and figure out how you get it for yourself. Right. That's a very excellent point, Chief. And uh, with that, I think we're going to bring this this podcast to a close. And again, thank you. Thank you for your time and sharing your story. And th- thanks for being a great mentor to our young men and women. Um, it's greatly appreciated and so important um and so whether it's domestic violence sexual teen dating abuse um, any form of violence within a relationship just know that it's not acceptable and it can lead to more severe issues like mental health challenges trauma and potentially suicide which we talked about early in this podcast it's it's the number one leading cause of death uh, for our Air Force um, please be on the lookout for your teammates and encourage a safe and healthy environment both in the workplace and at home. We're all wingmen. We're all in this together. Um, and as the chief said, if, if we're, if we're going to go out and, and promote our great way of life to the world, then it needs to be an adopted practice within our own environment. So um, that is going to bring to the end uh, another episode of Tinker Talks and uh, one that had a lot of emotions today. My, my eyes watered up a couple of times. It's a, it's a difficult but good story to hear. Um, so we're going to list all of the resources that you had mentioned in our show notes, and then they will also be on our Facebook page. And so if you don't follow us, please follow us on Facebook at Tinker Air Force Base. Um, that's on Facebook and Instagram and at team underscore Tinker. That's our Twitter. Um, and the 552 also has a Facebook account, um, which is that's 552 ACW. Right. Thank you. Um, I I don't get on there so much. I'm so heavily involved with the Tinker, but we will also share this podcast to the 552's Facebook account so that all the great airmen over here in this wing will have an opportunity to hear your good stories. So with that, thanks for joining us for another episode, and uh, please stay safe out there. Uh, Be wary of COVID. Uh, Treat people with respect and dignity uh, as you would want to be treated with yourself. And until next time, have a great day and a great week.